Welcome to Catch the Fire Toronto's weekly sermon podcast. This message was recorded live at Catch the Fire Church in Toronto, Canada. We hope you enjoy it. I'm going to talk about joy today. Uh, Now, this is not a a topic of just think positive, act positive. It's all about, you know, you just... uh, changing who you are. (laughs) This is actually a rooted in the life of Jesus, who was the most joyful person and is the most joyful person on the planet and in the whole entire universe. Do you agree with me? I don't know about you, but if if ever there was a time, I would say now is the time that we need the joy of the Lord to strengthen us, yeah? And we've experienced, you know, a lot over the last few years. And if you look at statistics, and I've had conversations with people, many people have struggled with um, a spirit of heaviness, with um, anxiety, with fear, with through the trauma of the experiences that over COVID and other other things over the last few years. And it has been a hard season for people across the globe. And suicide has increased, depression has increased, anxiety has increased, but the kingdom of God is always on the increase. And so (laughs) there's good news. And I believe, you know, we've heard prophetic words about reset. And I really feel that the Holy Spirit is actually wanting to reset our emotions. We've been talking about living in the emotional health of Jesus, who was very emotionful. He was emotion he was in touch with his emotions and very happy to share them and joy was one of those emotions and and he wants us to experience that joy and if you look in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 9 it says and this is quoting from Psalm 45 you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness so this is talking about Jesus therefore God your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions so Jesus is the joyful one he is anointed. He, is, he, he was baptized in joy. He was covered in joy. He was full of joy. And so he was the most joyful person on the planet. And he wants to turn mourning into joy. He wants to turn sadness into his gladness. He's not afraid of those things Those emotions are not bad. They're just, as Murray said last week, they're indicators for us. But I don't know if you know this. We have many negative emotions that we feel and we go through and that we need to process. Our emotions are our emotions. Our feelings are our feelings. Okay, we we own them. They are part of us. They're indicators. But did you know that joy is the most powerful emotion of them all compared to sadness, fear, anger, anxiety, uh, shame? Joy is the most powerful emotion of them all for us as humans. I just want to read um, this passage 
from John 15, where um, Jesus is talking to the disciples and he's talking to the, the Thessalonians and he's saying, you are the vine, I am the vine, you are the branches. And he's talking about how he's the vine, his father is the vine dresser, the one who takes care of the vine, he and the one who prunes the vine, but he is the vine, he is the one that we're grafted into, he is the vine, the one where our roots are found in, he is the vine that we are attached to, that all the any good fruit that comes through us comes out of our relationship with him. And so in this passage, Jesus is talking about the vine and he's talking about the father being the vine dresser and us being the branches, being joined and rooted in him. And if you go to verse nine, we're gonna just pick up in verse nine. It says, as the father has loved me, so I have loved you. So that the love, last week Murray was talking about Jesus living in the love of the Father and, and, and what that did for him. So the love that Jesus experienced from the Father, for, which was for all eternity and it's still flowing from the Father to the Son and back again, the love that as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. So the love with which Jesus received from the Father and lived lived in, he also has loved us with that same love, that same love that caused him to give his life for us. That's epic love. <laughs> Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. So there's something about obedience as well here, which we don't always like to, to acknowledge, do we? We just like to say, love me, love me, love me. He loves me no matter what I do, which is true, but because I've given my life to him and I have the Holy Spirit, the joyful one on the inside, I get to love him by saying yes to what he wants me to do and what he's told me to do. So there's, Jesus was obedient to the Father all the way and the invitation for us is to listen and live in his love and obey him. He'll love us anyway, but this part of this abiding, is, it's, it's obedience. And I think sometimes we need to check our emotions and make them obedient to Christ when they get a little out of hand. <laughs> I know that's what I need to do. Maybe none of you do, but I do. <laughs> My, my emotions are not bad until I let them control me and I enter into an area that is really not an area that the Father ever wanted me to go, which excessive anger, you know, uh, shaming people with my words, hatred. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So part of the key here, you want, we want fullness of joy. Anyone want their joy to be full? Because I'm, I'm like, if I read this, I'm thinking there's a joy that maybe isn't full. There's a happiness that maybe is based on my circumstances. 
But in Jesus, abiding in Jesus, the vine, living in his love, in the Father's love, causes my heart to respond in a way that produces a bubbling up of joy on the inside of me that is full, that's uncontainable. So he wants his joy to be in us and for our joy, our experience of his joy to be full in us, to reach every part of our heart, every part of our life, every relationship. So there's, there's something really um, beautiful about the invitation to be rooted and grounded in the love of the Father, just as Jesus was, that, that causes our heart to know that we are loved, that we are safe, that we are cared for, that he's really happy to be with us. And what happens is we experience joy and full joy. I want that joy in my life. Anyone else? <laughs> yeah. So he's, so as we stay connected to him, right? It says, abide in me, remain in me, stay in me, stay rooted in me, allow your roots to go deep in me, in my word, in my truth, in encounter, in daily encounter, daily relationship with me, abide, be rooted and grounded in his love, and then experience the fullness of joy in that place. Now I want to just unpack a little bit about what I mean when I say joy, because I think it can conjure up a whole bunch of things. If I brought a bunch of balloons up here, you might think, oh, well, balloons kind of signify joy, but you leave them here long enough, they'll start to sag and uh, collapse on the ground. So <laughs> joy is not circumstantial. Joy is not based on external things going well for us. Joy is a relational emotion. It's our response to knowing that we are loved. We were created by the Father in His love, for His love, to be loved by Him, to experience His love and to give that love away to the world around us. We were created and wired for that joyful relationship right from the foundation, before the foundation of the world, the Father saw us and he had his eyes on us. He imagined us and he's like, I wanna pour my love in them and I want them to experience my love in such a way. And even though they're gonna blow it, I'm gonna demonstrate my love for them is so strong, it's stronger than death that he would send his only son to die in our place. I'm gonna show them that kind of love. We're wired for joy. Joy is really the experience, the, the response in our heart that says, oh, someone's glad to be with me. I'm a, I'm a source of delight to someone. You ever experience that? You walk into a room, someone looks at you and their face lights up. That's joy. And we know that the Father is always happy to be with us. So joy is a 
face-to-face personal experience and encounter. It's like you, your face responds, your body responds when, when someone is a source of delight and joy to you, when you feel joy at their presence. So it is a relational emotion. We can feel it by ourselves, but that comes from knowing that the Father loves us, that Jesus is really happy to be with us, that we bring him delight. It's different from happiness, as I said. It's the most powerful emotion. And it comes straight, true joy, full joy, comes straight from the Father to us. But we can also share joy with one another. We can cultivate joyful relationships with one another. You know, he set us in a family. He didn't leave us alone. He gave us the Holy Spirit, who is also the joyful one, to cultivate joy and joyful relationships with others, those around us. Joy, why, why, why is it important? You know, God, God could have made us like robots, just obedient and doing the things that we were supposed to do. But actually, he's given us these emotions, these wonderful things to experience and feel. Feel. Well, joy is really important to us. It's an essential part of the human life. We all need joy. And that's why through these past few years, it was a bit difficult because we couldn't necessarily gather together to, we couldn't see people's faces very well behind masks. And sometimes if people wore sunglasses, it was even harder to see them. <laughs> but there's, there's something that happens in the joy flowing between two people. So we, we can experience it with the Father, but we can experience with one another. It's, it's so important. It helps it's an essential part of us in our healing journey and growing a strong identity. You know, when a baby is little, the only job that a baby has is to realize that they are a delight, that they bring joy to their family, that they are a source of joy, that, that this family is so glad that they were born, that they smile, that they laugh, we, when, a, when a mother is feeding a baby and nurturing a baby or a caregiver is nurturing a baby through a, feeding, there's this thing that happens. There's this eye-to-eye -eye contact. It comes through the eye from our brain. God wired us this way. He's phenomenal. He knew what he was doing when he knit us together. He made us so intricate that, that we could have this, when, we, when we're feeding a baby, looking at a baby, smiling at a baby while it's suckling on the breast or while it's feeding in a bottle. And it's, it, it, it's like this cycle going backwards and forth. Oh, it, you don't even realize it's happening. But it's like, oh, you delight me. You br bring me delight. And the baby sees the eye. And it goes back like so many times in just a second. And it's, this, it's a relational, joyful connection that the, that the Lord established to bring a strong, joyful identity to a little child. Now we hit bumps in the road when a child doesn't get that kind of 
relational experience with a mother or a significant other and a caregiver. And I don't know if you've ever been in some of the orphanages or children's homes around the world. Um, there, there were times where, where children were just left in cribs by themselves and they, they didn't experience that kind of nurture and care. And so what happens is their brains and their bodies don't form properly. So a lack of, of the joyful experience that builds a strong and joyful identity, knowing that someone is really glad to be with me and I am a source of delight, affects negatively the development of their bodies. And so they find it hard to engage and they often, uh, they have deformities or they're malformed in some ways. So the only role of a baby is to know that they're a delight. That was, that was w what the Father had intended for us when we were babies. And it helps us. These, these kind of joyful relationships help us create strong bonds with others. They, in, and as we create those strong bonds, it, it gives us the opportunity to find healing from some of the, the pain that we experience on this planet because we are in a fallen world. We have issues, other people have issues and there can be pain. So even in a household or a family where you did experience joy and delight, you can still have some brokenness. But the father intended for joy to be something that can heal us from pain and trauma. And did you know that it, oh, my shoe fell off. <laughs> did you know that it, it's contagious? Joy is contagious. When you delight in someone, it's catching. It, it attracts people. It's like you see someone, a, 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 two people smiling, having fun together, being joyful, being glad to be with one another, and you think, oh, I want to go and be with them. If you walk into a room and there's people sitting in a corner looking down, looking miserable, not looking very joyful, who are you going to pick? Probably not those people, especially if it's a bunch of people that you don't know. <laughs> It has, it's contagious and it can be cultivated. It is a building block for healthy brains. And it gives us, having joyful relationships, having a joyful identity actually gives us a strong body. It gives us energy. It makes us resilient. Joy transforms us. There's this part in the brain, the front part of the brain. I'm not a brain scientist, but what I do know, this front part of our brain is the joy center. It's the emotional control center, okay? And so what happens is this part of our brain is the only part of our brain that never stops growing. How cool is that, right? The Father designed us to have always the continual opportunity to grow joy in our lives, so even if we missed out, even if we had pain, even if we have trauma, 
there is the possibility to experience a love through the Father, through Jesus, and through a community that actually brings transformation and lights up our brain where it was dull again, lights up our heart, and we realize, oh, I am a source of joy. I am loved. I am safe. And so I can be free and at peace and at rest. So we have an unlimited capacity for joy, but obviously because of sin, it's not our natural state. It needs to be cultivated. It needs to be developed by being rooted and grounded in Jesus, the vine, and experiencing that joyful relationship. And you know, sometimes when we have a a low level of joy, if we haven't experienced that strong, the strengthening of the joy of the Father and His presence with us, or we've experienced incredible trauma, we, we can have a low capacity for joy. It's like there's this bucket that we're born with that is a joy bucket that the Father wants to fill. And if it doesn't get filled, we're a little um, sad or depressed or we have low joy capacity and we, we feel overwhelmed and we're not able to engage necessarily in relationship. But actually, what happens in that place when we have not developed that joy capacity, that joy bucket, we can often turn to other things to get comfort, to to try and feel joy. But it's not that fullness of joy. It's a false joy. Now, typically, people like to say, well, that's what happens with addictions, okay? But I don't have an addiction, but maybe we go to something else, like we go to shopping to make ourselves feel some joy, to get a pick-me-up. Maybe we go to a, a book to escape. I'm, I'm overwhelmed and in pain, so I escape through this book. And I fantasize through this book. Maybe it's a video game that I go to because I need to feel something and I, my bucket feels a little empty, but I turn to something else to fill and take that place. Well, the, it can also be addictions. Well, the Father wants to bring healing to all of those parts of us, to all of those, those false joy, those false comforts that we turn to. His desire is to let us experience His love in such a way from him, from being rooted and grounded and abiding, living in his love day by day, but also living in his love in a community where we can receive the delight of others and know that they're glad to be with us and get healing. So we are not able to do this in our own strength. This is only possible to live in the the joyful identity of Jesus because of what Jesus did, the wonderful saviour, the most joyful one who's anointed with the oil of gladness above his companions, who has taken up residence on the inside of us. It's not just, I have to try harder. There are things that I can do to partner with the Holy Spirit to cultivate a joyful identity in my life and in others' lives. 
but actually that's only made possible through the Holy Spirit and through what Jesus did for us on the cross. So we get to become joyful people, a joyful community where we experience transformation and then we can spread that joy to our workplaces, to our schools, to our families, to our neighbours, because of what Jesus has done and is doing on the inside of us. And it is marvellous and wonderful. And one of the best ways, one of the keys in, in living in the joy of the Lord and growing a joyful identity is, I've learned, is this key of expressing thankfulness. It's very simple, but a little hard sometimes to do as a discipline. But I want to encourage you. Let's just look at 1 Thessalonians quickly, chapter 5, verses 16 to 18, where it says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Are you wondering what you're supposed to do? Rejoice. <laughs> Pray. Give thanks. In all circumstances, not just when things are going well, but when things are really hard. And this book was written by Paul, who was in prison, he was beaten, he was tortured, he was shunned, he was rejected, and then ultimately executed for his faith. And he could say, rejoice, give thanks, thankfulness is a powerful key in living in a joy-filled and strong identity of joy life for us. You know, so often in the Bible it says, remember, remember, remember. We were singing about it today. We remember all that he's done, which then stirs up thankfulness and gratitude. Having a lifestyle of gratitude is one of the most important keys to being a joy-filled and joyful person. But it requires deliberate and genuine practice and focus. Now, this is something that I've had to learn over the years because it's the way, you know, Murray last week was talking about when we get triggered, right? Those little hot buttons that are sometimes close to the surface or sometimes beneath the surface. I don't know if you were looking at your triggers this week. We could chat about it afterwards, I'm sure. But we have those buttons. Well, what the Father wants us to do when those buttons get pushed and we react, He wants us to be able to return to actually our joyful identity from all of those big emotions that we experience when those buttons get pushed. And the way that we can do that is through thanksgiving, through deliberate appreciation. It helps us to get our relational circuits back on in our brain. You know, we often don't feel like it. 
We don't want to do it. We want to stay grumpy and miserable and angry. We want to blame that other person and hold on to it for a while. But is that the will of God for us in Christ Jesus? No. Rejoice. Pray. It's hard to pray for someone if you're not thankful. Give thanks in every circumstance. I'll just give you a little example of how this works in our life because we like to invite you in. Very joyful. Okay, I'll tell you this quickly. <laughs> so my, my husband is an amazing person and he is a really good, he was telling you last week how I like to clean up after him and that sometimes uh, bothers him a little bit because I clean up a bit too quickly. And um, my husband is a really smart person. He's a really great um, businessman, accountant, lover of Jesus, and he is wonderful, but he is not a handyman. He's not anointed with the oil of odd jobs around the home. So, one Monday morning, we were getting our dishwasher replaced, and Murray uh, was, we were just about to leave to go to work, and Murray realized that when the dishwasher was being delivered, that he had to um, unwire it and it was plumbed into the mains. And so just before we were leaving, I was trying to say, hey, my love, I think maybe it would be good to actually get someone else to come in and do this. I was trying to say it gently and lovingly. You know, you are a man. You're a, you're a strong, fine man, and I respect you and I love you. But this is maybe not your area of expertise, and we don't have a lot of time. So it might be worth us calling someone. And my husband on that occasion did not want to do that. He wanted to try it himself. And so he started doing the job, and I went upstairs because on the inside, I was starting to get frustrated. And then I hear this, oh, no. And um, Murray hadn't realized that he had to turn the water off before he, un oh, sorry, I'm sorry. So you tried to turn the water off, but it was the wrong water. And, and he didn't turn it off hard enough. I'm sorry, forgive me. I got the, I didn't quite say the story properly. Anyway, and so he didn't turn it off enough. And so the water just started overflowing in our kitchen and so on the inside, I'm like, I told you so, I told you so, I, to I told you, I, I, you should have listened to me, you should have listened to me. And, and I'm like, I'm like taking deep breaths and I'm like, I, I, and I think, well, am I going to stand back and watch him and just let him suffer or am I going to go and help? And I'm like, praise the Lord in that moment, I was a, I felt myself getting triggered, but I, I was able to grab a hold of the fact that I'm thankful for my husband, and I'm thankful to the Lord that we live in a house that has a dishwasher, and I'm thankful that my husband is trying to improve his DIY skills, and I'm genuinely thankful for that. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm, and so I was able to find a place of rather than the button getting pushed where I wanted, I'm going to be honest, I wanted to say, I told you so. Even after the fact, even after I'd got down on my hands and knees and was sopping up water and I went down into our basement and was sopping up water from where it had gone through the ceiling and I was thinking about how much this was going to cost to fix. 
I wanted to say all of that afterwards, but I didn't. I managed, with the help of the Holy Spirit, to stay in the place of relational connection where the problem was not bigger than our relationship. And this is the key with thankfulness and gratefulness. It cultivates joy because we can focus on the issue or the problem and and allow the trigger to grow, the button to grow, or we can focus on the relationship with the Father who's always glad to be with us and experience His joy and His delight, and we can connect relationally with the person that maybe we feel a little bit irritated with and and see that genuine, I'm I'm glad to be with you, and reconnect because the problem is not bigger than the relationship. So, I want to just ask you, you know, Jesus in Hebrews 12 too, he said for the, it was it said for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. I want to, he was able, you know, the cross was torture. It was excruciating and shameful and horrific, but Jesus was not excited about the cross. He wasn't, oh, woo, yeah, I can do it. Positive thinking, mind over matter. His soul was sorrowful. But the joy set before him, which was fulfilling his mission to complete, to die, to give his life, to be, to, to be raised again, to take many sons to glory, was his focus. He kept his eye on the outcome and the delight of being back with the Father and being with the Father. And he was able to have joy through the experience of the cross. It was the joy that he was focused on, the Father that he was focused on that enabled him to be resilient and endure and go through. So my question is, where is your focus today? Right? Where are you, lo- are you looking at the problem? Are you looking at the triggers? Are you looking at the person in your workplace who's irritating you? I want to encourage you, lift your eyes up, focus. In his presence, Psalm 16 verse 11 says, in his presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's the presence of Jesus That's being in the presence of the Father. There's fullness of joy. If you go back a couple of verses in 8 and 9, it says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. I want to invite you to stand. Let's continually set the Father before us in thanksgiving. I want to invite you to just close your eyes right now and just engage with the Father. I want you to tune into his presence. Receive his delight and joy. He's glad to be with you in this moment. I want to encourage you to just allow him to wash over you with his love right now. If there's an issue or a trigger or a problem in your life, 
I want you to lift your eyes up to him. Focus upon him, his beauty, his glory, and just start speaking out thankfulness. Genuine, deliberate gratitude of something that you are grateful for. Just start telling him, Lord, I'm thankful. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for your love. Grateful for your provision for my family. Just be specific. Just start telling him. Lord, would you increase our joy? Would you increase our joy? We receive your love into the areas of pain. And we say yes to being thankful and grateful in every circumstance in Jesus' name. We hope you encounter God and were inspired by this message today. To watch video of this message and other messages from Catch the Fire in Toronto, visit catchthefire.tv. Catch the Fire has churches, schools, events, missions and media all around the world. To find out more, visit catchthefire.com.